And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't done so yet, check out our weekly email where we're sharing actionable website and marketing tips, useful podcasts, free goodies, resources, and much more to kick off your week with a bang each and every Monday. Why not give it a shot over at businessgrowth.email? So joining me today, I've got Nicole Gates. Nicole's the Director of Marketing over at Mongoose, the B2B marketing leader specializing in demand gen, creative content, social media campaigns, and building online communities for brands. Nicole, very warm welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. No worries. So excited to chat. We're going to be talking about a pretty fresh topic. I was just discussing with you off air. We haven't talked about webinars for this show for about two years, so I'm looking forward to digging in. We're going to be sharing how our audience, how everyone can grow a community through webinars. Yes, so, yes. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. So first and foremost, Nicole, I thought, I thought webinars were dying off. I thought the days <laughs> of using webinars to pass leads to sales was, was long lost. Uh, am, I, am I wrong? Yeah, I know. It's, you know, email's dead, SEO's dead, webinars <laughs> been dead. So as with all of those things, that's not always the case. I think it's just more around how people are using webinars and, um, right. you know, how I've seen most people use webinars, you know, they're kind of glorified uh, product demos almost, um, and they're not really serving any purpose to the people who attend the webinars. So that's usually where I see most companies going wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think that's it. I mean, I've got the mindset. To be fair, I've never done that many myself because I'm usually busy with a podcast and every yeah. now and then I might get invited on a webinar. And surprisingly, I think I've shared this on the show, but I got invited to a software company's webinar a while back um, and it was just talking about shifts in marketing. And that was actually one of the best free tools that I've done in terms of generating qualified leads for our company that ever. So we, I, they literally invited me to speak on this webinar probably at one week's notice and I thought what the heck might as well do it and we had I think three call-ins and a couple form submissions all within kind of 45 minutes of me being on this guest webinar so for me I've had great experiences but I know a lot of companies that I've spoken to kind of see them like I alluded to there as kind of two glorified product demos like you shared kind of forcing kind of email signups shifting those off to sales as qualified leads and it never really works that well so I'm excited to dig in and talk about how we can flip that on its head how it can actually be a useful tool for building community so um yeah let's 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 kind of share let's let's talk about kind of examples you've seen and and how it can be a useful tool for businesses and and your thoughts yeah I mean I think it all stems down to what you're trying to get out of the webinar so like you alluded to um a lot of the times people, you know, it's a little bit clickbaity where they'll have some sort of exciting t- um, title that gets people to register. And then, you know, 10 minutes in, it turns into a product demo and the marketing team just sends over all the attendees and registrant lists over to sales and calls it, you know, here's an MQL. We've generated all these leads for you. Here you go. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's probably not that great. It's not going to convert so well, but you know, maybe you got some interest and then sales is like, let's do another webinar and you do another one. And suddenly you don't have anybody registering. No one wants to come back, you know, like you kind of lost that initial kind of growth that you might've had. So I think shifting how you approach webinars and seeing it more as a nurture and a community builder um, really can help elevate your webinar strategy. I've seen it. I've done it myself probably in the last three companies that I've worked for and seen it work really, really well. Um, Mm. And I think the number one thing is not selling. It's not a 
place to start selling and pitching your product. Right. It's more about driving value, driving, you know, educating the market and using it as an opportunity to really, um, you know, communicate with your target audience or your ICP. Similarly, like how you're doing here with a podcast, but on a much, you know, larger scale where you could have, we have about 200 people who attend our webinars weekly, sure. um, which is fantastic. And it's a great way to, you know, you're interviewing customers, you're interviewing prospects, you know, exactly what's on their mind, what trends and topics are they're frustrated with. And it just helps continuously generate more content and more ideas yeah. for you in the future. Yeah, it sounds almost like what you're doing is like a live conversation with your target mm-hmm. market. Which yeah, is... we um, we don't do, you know, like having a slides deck or a presentation. We have sure. two co-hosts and then we encourage everybody to come on with their screens on as well and participate in the conversation. And we'll usually pick a topic that, you know, we know is resonating or is something that everyone's interested in. And while we'll have a you know, like an outline of what we want to talk about. We do keep it pretty free flowing so people can come in, ask questions, put something in the chat and um, just utilize the chat to kind of have a conversation and see what people are thinking and the feedback that we're getting on that topic. Awesome. Yeah, I like it. So with that in mind, if uh, a company is doing a webinar, in your opinion, Nicole, what should be the main goals? What should be the main results that you're actually aiming for from it? Mm Mm-hmm. I could see it as, you know, it's a little bit of top of a funnel tactic. So it'd be more Mm -hmm. about getting in front of your target audience, growing some leads, I guess, in terms of getting people to register and then using it to understand your target audience, but also you're creating content from it. So we use it to um, slice and dice into social media, paid advertising, um, put it on our podcast, on our blog. So using it as a way to kind of get in front of the audience, but also then use that content for other things and start positioning yourself as a thought leader within your space. Um, We've seen a lot of success where people are saying like, we we do a lot of surveys out to our registrants and seeing like what they want to see and everything. And everybody's saying that it's like one of the most useful tools for them specifically in the higher ed market where, you know, we are, um, they just see it as like a really useful tool where they can come in, learn something really valuable and take away without having to do any sort of transaction with us. Got it. Got it. So it sounds like there's, there's quite a lot of benefits in terms of both having the target prospects, having your target audience in there, asking mm-hmm. questions live, getting feedback, understanding what they want to know right now, as well as, I guess, nurturing it over time on subtly on, on what your company offers and being positioned as a useful resource. And then also the, the other aspect of it that you can slice and dice the the video content, the audio content that's produced. And like you mentioned, put it into a podcast, a video series, get some nice yeah. mini clips for LinkedIn, for socials and all that juicy exactly. stuff, just like we do with the show and many other shows do too. So it sounds like quite a useful exercise on that front. Um, how, how do, from, from your experience, how do webinars actually build a community? Is it from what we've shared there or is a bit more to it? Yeah. I mean, I think it's that if you, treat the people who attend and register um, not as sales prospects, but more as just like um, a community that you're trying to build and you're not, you're not just sending over those contact leads to immediately be sent um, followed up with sales. You can really see some really good traction. And if you are really providing a lot of great value to them as well, um, you're going to just see that grow. So we kick started our webinar series um, back in February 
And I think we have around 2,500 people coming. And because we don't pitch, like there's opportunities for people to put their hands up. We do have some lead scoring in the background and some self-attribution um, forms around so we can make sure we can track success of it. But that's not the ultimate goal of that. And I think the ultimate goal is like, we're trying to nurture, we're trying to educate, and we're not trying to sell. And so people appreciate that. They keep coming back. They're sharing it with their friends. They're sharing it with their colleagues. And we're seeing just really continual growth there versus, you know, like an email drip campaign where you start mm. seeing drop offs as the email campaign goes. We're seeing an increase in more nurture sequences with that. Interesting stuff. So from your experience, how effective can a webinar be, say, compared to the rest of a marketing mix that a company might take on board? Um, have you seen it like over time generate a good chunk of inbound leads and, and revenue from your sales team? Or is it kind of moderate compared to other channels, say, that you might do on, I don't know, pay-per-click or SEO or field marketing and events? What, what have you kind of seen in those type of results? Yeah, I mean, you know, with anything, attribution is hard. And it's sure. all a mix of everything. Um, yeah. But since we started our webinar series, um, you know, we're tracking the pipeline throughout the different channels. And, you know, we're seeing an increase in direct, organic, and actually paid um, channels since we've been doing this webinar series. And, you know, originally we were kind of just like, oh, people are finding your blog or, you know, our ad keywords are just really spot on. But when you started to dig in deeper, it was actually just brand um, keywords that were driving all of those channels. And so you start to realize that probably the webinar and using the webinar to kind of facilitate most of your content strategy is really driving the increase in those organic brand or direct and paid channels. Yeah, because I, I suppose it's fuel for the fire almost like you were talking about earlier. Like if you can create all this content that's literally answering quite a lot of your community's questions, people that are right. potential prospects. And then you can position that using demand generation plays, i.e. chop that up into little useful videos, distribute that on LinkedIn ads in front of your target market. If that was, for example, I don't know, um, marketing officers, marketing directors, or whoever your, right. your player is, you're literally giving them content that's interesting to them and then positioning yourself as a, as a go-to brand over time, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, like I always believe in, you know, work smarter, not harder. Um, and, you know, having kind of that main hub, which for us is the webinar series to facilitate the rest of your content for the rest of your channels is mm. such like an easy way to kind of just always be producing content, always have content on hand and yeah. always be getting fe immediate feedback, whether it's live on the webinars or, you know, comments on social media that kind of mm -hmm. facilitate next week's themes or topics or guests that we bring on. Um, and it just becomes kind of like a content demand engine almost that you can just have working on the side while you're doing, you know, more little experiments or testing other things or maybe doing product launches or what else, what other, other priorities you kind of have going on within yeah. the marketing team, which we know we have a lot. <laughs> sure. I think it's one of those things, right? Content is quite often with organizations I've dealt with and our own is sometimes quite tricky to think of topics on the spot. So yes. there's nothing better than literally ripping stuff, answering audiences' questions. Because for one, if you've got industry experts in there, you know the answers. They're straightforward for you. And it's it's natural conversation. It's not forced. It's not like talking in front of a camera, which I do too much of. Um, so it's, <laughs> yeah, I like I like it. So let's take this. Let's, let's give some actionables for audiences we like to do. Let's walk through a step-by-step, -step, Nicole, of 
how if a company's tuning in now and they're thinking, oh, I like the sound of these webinars, they actually sound better than I first anticipated. Let's talk talk through almost an A to Z of the beginning, what you need to think about before you set up your webinar right through to kind of repurposing, which we've talked about now. So what are some of the first steps if we're an organization and we think, yeah, we want, we've, we've perhaps got a little bit of budget or a little bit of resources that we can assign to this. What should be the first thing that you think about before you get stuck in? Yeah, I'd say step number one is getting buy-in um, from the rest of the organization, especially sales, so that you are aligned on what the purpose and objective of the webinars are going to be. Um, that's usually critical to the success of it. But then step two would be talking to customers, prospects, listening to sales calls, right. really understanding what those key problems are that um, your target market's having. So before we even started, we did a lot of customer listening, a lot of feedback from sales, listening to prospect calls and kind of understanding what those key blockers are and okay. what those key topics are. And so before we even launched the webinar, we kind of had an idea of what three to four of the main topics were. And we launched it with probably the most, um, you know, sought after topic, which is not the most like attractive topic in the world, but it was around mm. compliance and texting compliance. Right. But we found that all of the schools and universities that, you know, are in our target market, they yep. really were concerned about being compliant. And so, you know, we put something like, here's how to stay compliant in 2022. And we gave a free resource with a texting policy. And we ended up like, I think, we sold out, I don't know how, what the official term is, um, our Zoom like allowance that we had at the time, nice. which I think was a thousand. Yeah, yeah. Um, we ended up having to do a second um, webinar series just to kind of make sure we were getting everybody in who wanted to see it. Yeah. And so kickstarting it with a topic that you know is really going to resonate. Um, you can do some testing first if you want to in terms of like paid advertising, maybe doing some social media posts. Um, you know, I often kind of put out topics on my own LinkedIn to see like what kind of feedback and um, if this resonates with the audience a little bit to kind of test and then we'll put it out into our webinar. And then so then once you kind of have ideas on topics and themes and blockers that you want to cover, yep. um, making sure you figure out what that format looks like. So for us, we wanted it to be very conversational. We didn't want to have to do PowerPoints. We also wanted it to be an easy lift and an easier lift is just kind of going in and like this, talking to a camera. Um, ideally, it's better when you got someone else kind of interacting with you. So we do have two co-hosts, but we also sure encourage thing. everybody else to have their cameras on, but fi figuring out what format works best for you. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, yeah. the first steps in terms of just kicking it off. Yeah, let's break that down a bit. So we've got first off buy-in with your, your internal team, your sales team, and I guess whoever else is going to be working on the project or use following up with leads, whatever it may be. Is yeah. is that from your experience very difficult, Nicole? Is that something that's quite easy or is there usually quite a lot of turbulence and pushback? Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily difficult, but I've had experiences where I kind of ran too fast um, with things and then had to kind of pedal back. Um, so that's why, you know, I've lived and learned. And so now my first step is always to get buy-in. And usually if you can always approach the the conversation, understanding the other person's shoes, which in this case would be like sales or the leadership team, um, and which usually ties down to revenue um, and explaining it in a way that benefits them and shows why this change is going to help them in the long run um, yeah. really helps. And, you know, there is a lot of conversation around short-term versus long-term results. And this is a little bit of a longer term play than typical webinar strategies, but in the long run, you do see much it, it's educating your market out on the channels that they're already on. 
And by the time they come into sales, they're ready to buy, which, you know, is a salesperson's dream that they're just like, yeah, here's my money. Like, let me know how, where to sign the contract. Yeah. I mean, for me, just from, and I'd be biased because I've done <laughs> this kind of stuff for ages, but just the fact that it's almost a content engine means mm-hmm. that you're kind of saving money and resource on getting a third party to film those things for you, record those things for you and all that stuff. So it splits a lot of things into one. Yes, you, you, you spend some time, you spend some resources doing this, but then once you've done it, you can get a, heck, a lot, heck of a lot of replay value out of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that alone, as well as all the other benefits that we'll chat about is, is big for sure. Chili Piper's automated scheduling tools are super effective for booking and scheduling demos. I could chat about them all day long, but why not listen as a new customer witnesses the magic of Chili Piper for the very first time? Okay, you're just about to switch gears. I'm ready for it now. Hold on. Oh, we, we got one. We got one? We got one. Oh my God. Ah, yes. All right. Via ownership to... One of our AEs pinged me and goes, guess what just worked? exactly how it should have happened this is exactly how it should have happened. i could have done it oh my god you are incredible so there it is proof of the power of chili piper book your free demo today over at chilipiper.com slash bgs that's c-h-i-l-i-p-i-p-e-r.com slash bgs chilipiper.com forward slash bgs are you tired of competitors stealing your traffic leads, and sales, all because they're higher on Google? Maybe you're investing in paid ads, but want to enjoy the benefits of organic SEO, meaning free traffic and inbound customers, and not having to pay Google for every single click. Or perhaps you're running SEO and ads, but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Any of this sound familiar? Let the team at WebChoice fix that for you. Book a free consultation today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Cool. And then you mentioned kind of talking to t- customers, listening to, to sales calls for these, these kind of problems, these frustrations to fuel the, the content, the topic ideas for the webinars. Yeah. So um, just really understanding what those themes are within your target audience so that when you are announcing these webinars, it's not like how product X can fix this. It's more of like, here's five ways to um, better market or communicate with students is like a really broad example. But really knowing that you're speaking to specific problems that your target audience is really having. So that's why I always encourage, like even my team, like I encourage them to be listening to a certain amount of customer calls, a certain amount of sales calls, because that's yeah. where kind of the best topics come up. And, you know, oh, sales sure. and client success have different objectives with those calls. And you might hear something that they might miss. And you're just like, wow, this this topic keeps coming up a lot when I'm listening to this. Maybe we can create some content around it. So this isn't a problem every time yeah. the sales team is having a demo call. Definitely. The great thing about doing that as well is that if you then, as we've talked about a lot, repurpose that content, and if you make specific mm-hmm. clips, whether that is video, and then you stick it on YouTube after it's edited, or audio, 
or then you do an article on your website, that content is searchable and yep. it's got real demand for it because your customers are bringing this up as a question or a problem a lot. That means other customers must be too. So they're probably yeah. literally searching like how to do X or best ways to fix Y. And then if you stick it on your website as a useful article, put it on YouTube, that's searchable. It's going to build more. Yeah. It's going to capture more demand over the time, educate more of the market and over time generate generate more inbound for your business. So it's, yeah, it's really smart. That kind yeah, of stuff. I've actually seen um, really good success with breaking it down and then putting it into paid social um, campaigns yep. as well. Cool. And then using that in my retargeting campaigns for people who visited the website, but maybe didn't take an action um, or, you know, people who are in like lookalike audiences closer to my ICP, just yep. to again get that content and in front of the right eyes um, and have them really understand like the problems that we can help them solve. Awesome. I like it. Okay, good. And then talked about the format. I know you shared a few ideas on that. Any any best practices you think when it comes to webinars and how you actually format them? Yeah, um, I do kind of like the more live interaction. I think people, mm. you know, when people talk about webinars are dead, I think they talk about, you know, <laughs> having the slide deck up and you're going oh, yeah. through and it's, you know, like your typical kind of process. So I think steering clear from that um, is best, but I know that kind of scares people. So at first when we were Moving towards this, we did a few test ones before we launched the series. Um, we would have slides, you know, I felt like they were kind of a little bit of a safety net, but they're very vague and they didn't have a lot of text. It was kind of more like image heavy so that there was more of that conversation just to get the people who were used, like speaking on our webinars, kind of used to just talking on the fly and not having to have a script or, you know, something to go through. Sure. But I've seen the most like, the best success happen when you're just similar to this, but on a larger scale, just having a conversation, allowing people to come in and have questions that you may you not anticipate, but then it might open up a whole new topic yeah, that yeah. you know resonates with everybody who's listening. Mm. I need to try that on this show, really. Question and answers, <laughs> um, live audience style, just like just like you're doing, just like State it of the Man Jen with Chris Walker. Right. It's, yeah. It's it definitely move. opens up a lot more um, complexities. Like here's great because you can just focus on, you know, me and you are just talking, but yep. we have someone that's kind of in the background, like answering questions in chat or, you know, um, making sure the technical side is all kind of set up because with um, we, we use Zoom as like sure. for our tech and you have to use, you can't use Zoom webinars, which gives you a lot of those. You have to use Zoom meetings and there's not as much control. Um, so there's some technical things people are unmuting when they shouldn't be muted when they should. Be yeah, muted, yeah. You know, so you kind of have to have someone in the background making sure it's going smoothly Got so it. that the um, hosts can just focus on uh, the topic at hand. Sure. So yeah. So you need, like, like you rightly said, you need to make sure you've you probably you probably struggle if it was just one host trying to manage everything. Yes. <laughs> you probably want someone on admin kind of unmuting stuff, getting people queued up to take the questions and all those yeah. all those good points. So, yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And if anyone's tuning in and they think the Business Growth Show should do a live Q and A, get in touch on businessgrowth.marketing, and if we get enough demand, we'll we'll make one happen. <laughs> cool. So those are the first few points. Once you have sorted that, Nicole, mm -hmm. what what should come next? Should we start finding guests for the show? Should we get internal guests? Should we start promoting it? Or what's what's the logical next step? I think at first, um, doing a few on your own. Um, the whole point is to really position your company as thought leaders, and you don't want to rely immediately too heavily on guests. Um, 
So I think kind of, you know, figuring it out, there's some tweaks that are always, you know, need to be ironed out when you're first kind of starting off a series, you kind of find your rhythm. Um, so I'd recommend first, you know, just hosting it by yourself, not bringing in guests yeah. um, and seeing what traction comes in and then, okay. then start seeing where guests might fit in. And so having those first few and some of those like results really helped us kind of bring in guests because um, then you can kind of show the benefit already. And so we actually, when we first reached out to some influencers in the higher ed market to yep. come on and co-host with us, they were similarly to you like, well, what is this? Just like a pitch for our product. Like, I don't understand why I'm <laughs> on here. And we have to like explain to them like, no, that's not how we approach this. Yeah. So it was good to show examples of like, here's previous ones that we've done. Here's results. Here's feedback that we're getting. And it helped convince a lot more of our guests to come on. And now actually we have like a waiting list already awesome. for people to come on to our, to our show. But I would say a learning with bringing on guests, which we can talk more detail into like how to approach that, but yeah, having a balance right. between um, guests and you self-hosting is key. You don't want it to just be, you know, um, if you're using this as like nurturing and thought leadership, you really want to make sure that people see you as sure. a thought leader and not the people who you're bringing on. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's kind of quite selfishly what I did with this show. I mean, we do, we tend Working to do one, one guest episode <laughs> a week and one solo episode. So it yeah. means every now and then I can pretend I know what I'm talking about when it comes to websites <laughs> and SEO. And then I'll bring in guest experts like yourself to to share marketing tips for the audience. So yeah, I like that. Now you mentioned you you'll start the way you started it was to to do it internally with with your own team, showcase mm -hmm. that you're the you're experts in your field, share obviously useful insights to your audience and build up that trust, build up that credibility in the market. How do you prove the concept? How do you know what are some things to look out for to say, yep, yeah, this webinar is doing well. Let's let's keep it going. Let's not ax it. And and when the CEO or the, the CMO is putting pressure on you saying, well, it's been a, it's been a few weeks now. We've spent quite a lot of money on this. Um, can you can you show me some results? What's the what should we look out for? Yeah, um, I mean, we look at registrants who are signing on every week, but then we also look at new contacts that are being brought on that weren't necessarily in our um, database beforehand. So those are two like leading indicators that we look at at first. And then we also look at as best we can repeat um, attendees. So people who are showing up to more than one or two or three and showing like if we're seeing a really high number of people who are attending almost every week or engaging with our content pretty frequently. I also see that as a good indicator that this is working really well. Um, we also did do a survey out to our registrants and attendees, like probably like a month and a half or two months in just to kind of get a feel of like, what do you like? What don't you like? Um, how many of you attended? Just kind of to see, get some feedback and also some topic feedback. And sure. the testimonials we got were amazing. Like people just loved us. They were just raving about us, which was great. So like being yeah. able to just show like, here's our target audience. And this is, here's someone from this school who we've been trying to get in front of like for three years and they just said that this is their number one thing that they look forward to every week like having those testimonials and those like prospect um stories is usually a, a winner when you talk to your cmo or ceo yeah i mean if you can prove to i suppose lead leadership in your company that you're building up nurturing these relationships with target key accounts i don't think there's going to be too much pushback right right yeah exactly <laughs> good stuff so you said you have got some tips for 
when you're ready to to get guests on the sh- on your on your webinar what mm-hmm. what are some some things that we should consider when it comes to that yeah i think um you know having a wish list is really good of influencers and people in your industry that you want to bring on and we kind of first approach people who we could see a mutual um relationship with we're like we're going to do this one thing for you and we know that they'll see the plus of kind of getting that additional exposure. So we approach it as like, hey, we just love your content. We would really love to have you on as a guest. Here are some results and some feedback we've been getting on this webinar. We'd love to kind of just have an open conversation to see if this is a good fit. So we started it with that and just seeing like, hey, we just are admirers of you. We really like your content and we'd like to get you on the show with no ask back. You know, it's just more of like getting them on, building that relationship and so far, you know, it's been hit or miss if people are like interested in it. Um, Those who are interested are, you know, blown away that it's not a PowerPoint and it's just like droning on about whatever. They love the audience interaction that they get because for them too, that's probably within their target audience too. And they're getting exposure, they're getting feedback. Um, But then they just love that interaction and it's fun and it's exciting. And then we package it up and send it over to them afterwards um and they love that because then they're also getting free content without really having to do too much yeah i mean for them i can't really see any any negatives for it as it's almost free promotion and positioning them as an expert in their space in front of most likely their target audience so over time they're probably going to win some business off it eventually if not quite quick in the in the medium to long term especially with the ongoing promotion and repurposing of content and things so it's yeah Yeah, it's almost a no-brainer for most people exactly which just like this podcast, a lot of the guests that come on over time, they'll they'll pick off some business off the back of it. Just, right, exactly. Just because we'll, we'll remarket it pretty well. So, yeah, it makes sense. So, okay, so we've, we've kind of prepped everything. We've thought about the format. We've thought about the guests we're reaching out to. Um, what, what comes next? Do we start promoting and marketing the show or do we dive into actually doing some recordings? Or, um, I mean, I think at first kind of diving in and testing it out. And then once you get rolling a little bit, I think that's a good time to start really pushing and marketing it. So we probably didn't do promotion outside of like our usual social media and stuff until like a month in, um, just so we could have testimonials, feedback, some numbers. um, So we could create a little FOMO in our advertisements of the webinar. Um, So, you know, kick off first, test it out, see what that initial reaction is from just your existing database, at least at first. Um, And then use that early on traction to kind of help grow and promote the webinar. Got it. Got it. And from your experience, Nicole, is there a good duration that you should aim for, like 30 minutes, an hour, or anything along that line? Or does it it depend? I think it depends. We usually, you know, like minimum, I think 30 minutes is good. But we do like to open up so that like we have our we try to have our topics cover at least 30 minutes of some sort of discussion. And if it, you know, goes longer and it's a good discussion, we're happy to go over. So we we lock out an hour for um, our sessions and in people's calendars. But some are 30 minutes, some are 45. I think anything under an hour, because once it hits an hour, people are start like looking at their watches and they've got other places to go. Um, But minimum 30 max an hour. Yeah, we just let the yeah. conversation kind of flow. Cool. Okay, got it. And in terms of actually getting those signups, it sounds like you've had some great success. I know you mentioned one of the first one was sold out. So 
was it initially you you just did it on organic side of things with no paid behind it i.e perhaps emailing to email lists perhaps getting your team to put it on socials with with images or videos and links and comments and when just just so i can give the audience really tuning in some ideas on what you should perhaps do from an organic front and then what you should perhaps consider from a paid front yeah um, yeah, we were really fortunate that we, you know, sold out. It exceeded my expectations, honestly, of that first one. Um, but we did first do, you know, like an email blast to people who were in our database already, but we thought were specifically interested in that topic. And then we did do social media posts. So we did one on our brand, but we also had, you know, like our salespeople and marketing and CEO kind of also promote it on their own sure. social media networks. And then we just did um, Boosted paid social okay. to you know like our followers and everything so that was kind of the initial thing um yep. you know i didn't want to put too much paid behind the first one even though we we ended up getting way too many eyes but like you know it's the <laughs> first one you don't know like how yeah. it's gonna go um so i just wanted some initial traction so we could see how it resonated um so i wouldn't be too worried if someone's trying and they're not getting like a ton right away it's fine it's a build-up um yep and be okay with like your, you know, you're testing it out. You're kind of figuring out the kinks first and then start thinking about how can I put a strategy behind this to really gr- gain some exposure and get this in front of new eyes. Yeah. 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 makes sense. I suppose it depends on the size of your company and where you're at and on what the marketing you can do initially and yeah. kind of what you can put against paid. But I think starting small and then growing it over time, just like we did with this podcast. I mean, to start with, mm-hmm. there was hardly anyone listening. And as we've grown, as we've built up an audience and as we've marketed it more heavily, more and more people tune in. So it's natural kind of progression. So, yeah, yeah we've, and, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. And um, just to add on to that, I mean, because then you're chopping it up and putting it on social media. So they'll yep. get some natural organic on that side, too. Um, and we always have in our like comments for all of our micro videos, like register for our series. And that also helps, you know, just organically kind of grow registrants without you having to pay um, advertising to get there. Excellent. So we've talked about it a bit, but let's, let's dive a bit deeper into some of the replay value that you've seen when it comes to, okay, we've done the show. What can we do with it now? What's the the max output we can, we can get from it and your recommendations. Yeah, there's so much. Um, like we have so much content now from all these webinars that like I have to remind my team to like go back to previous webinars and make sure that like we're repurposing some of that content that we talked about. There might be like one little key nugget that was on this one topic that resonates now in July that maybe didn't resonate as much back in April just because of the cycle of the school system. Um, so when we first finish up a webinar, um, I'll have my team go through and kind of like figure out which blocks that they want to chop up. Um, We'll also put it on YouTube. We'll put it on, it'll, we'll embed that video onto a blog as well. That kind of covers most of the topic. We put it on our podcast. So that's already without us even chopping things up, like three things, three channels that we're covering immediately with pretty low effort. Um, And then there's the social video. So chopping it up for organic social, but also for your page strategy too. Um, So we have, on a schedule that's pretty regular in terms of like releasing a video and then having like a thought leadership piece later and kind of putting those into rotation, branding them nice, like you do here, you know, making sure it's got a nice header and footer and people recognize that it's coming from our brand when it's in their newsfeed. So then people start anticipating it and know what to expect. Um, And then using it for paid advertising in the same vein, like 
looking at how you can use those clips for different types of strategies that you're using for that demand capture strategy you have. So we sometimes repurpose some of the content to registrants of the webinars, kind of remind them like, oh, we had okay. this great conversation. Um, maybe they missed it. Um, we repurpose it into people who came to our website, who people who are followers are of us, um, or we just do lookalike lists of current current clients. And so there's a lot of opportunities and I don't even think we've necessarily found all of the opportunities that can be I used certainly with haven't. The content. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's just it's... so much and there's only so much you can do. Um, I mean, when you're saying really things endless. now, it's giving me ideas, like, especially <laughs> yeah. when you said like sending, cause I, I do this every now and then, like if I've got a piece of content rather than me explain to someone on a phone or a zoom call for five minutes, I'll just say, look, I'll shoot you this video that literally gives you everything right. you need on this topic and then you can watch or listen to it at your leisure um we, so you've got all of that yeah. as well as the the other ways exactly yeah we send um little micro clips to our sdrs and say like here's you know a, some micro clips that talk about this topic or you know we had a client on as a guest and so here's success stories of exactly how yeah. they've used our product that came up naturally and organically um and just give them like a little bit of a library of video content where it's not us telling the story it's someone else kind of explaining the story and us just being more of the thought leaders around it yeah yeah that kind of stuff's great because it saves your sales team a lot of time yeah they can they can send that to prospects or to customers to answer their questions handle objections um at the same time it's, it saves them time too as well as all those good angles that you've talked about when it comes to marketing or putting paid behind it so there's a lot of a lot of value you can get so out, much. squeeze yes. out of these these things but have, you, have you got any advice on frequency nicole is there like a frequent in terms of should, should companies start by doing one a month or what what are your recommendations yeah. there i i mean consistency is definitely key um i think one a month is a little too infrequent um because people kind of forget i think mm. maybe every other week's a good start if you want to start right. there um but making sure that you have when people sign up they're signing up for all of them so that it's like a long event list and they don't have to re-sign up every single time is probably Got key. It. I think if you have to push people to register every single week, they're not gonna do it. So just having that reoccurring schedule, um, similarly like what Refine Lab does, um, we might've stolen that from them. <laughs> um, but um, just making it as easy as possible for people to sign up and have that in their calendar is key. Um, sure. But yeah, I think, especially depending on the size of your team and how many resources it is, like kicking it off, it's definitely can be time consuming at first until you kind of figure out that groove. Um, so, you know, don't, don't make it so hard where you're not able to keep it up, but make it consistent enough where you can continue to kind of grow that audience and get people engaged and knowing like, okay, every Tuesday at 2 PM, like this is on and can I make it this yep. week? Okay. Yeah. Like I'm going to join, um, so that they understand what that frequency looks like and when to come on. Got it. Yeah. 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 So people, uh, people get familiar with the time and date that you're going to going to mm -hmm. be doing it and it's not too far apart that you lose interest. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for anyone that's listened so far and they thought this all sounds well and good, but I'm sure starting a webinar is going to be way too expensive. Is is a webinar something that's going to break the bank? Can you do it on a budget from your experience? Yeah, it's definitely budget friendly. Um, okay. I mean, if you can get a Zoom account of some sort um, and then you just have the resources, whether that's a marketing person or maybe it's a salesperson or I, we like to have, you know, people who are um, like they really understand the industry on their subject sure. matter experts. That's the word I'm looking for. Yep. Um, someone who really knows how to talk to that industry on there. So as long as you have a person 
and that can talk someone who can handle the technical sides of it. And then you just, you have the zoom accounts and, you know, there's a little bit of spend when it comes to, you know, paid, but also like video editing, if you need to outsource that, or if you have it in house, but honestly, it's very, I think it's very budget friendly and you can kind of make it work with when, what, within whatever budget you have. Yeah. 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 I mean, from what you've shared there, it sounds like probably similar to a podcast, perhaps, where, where as long as you've got the Zoom webinar account and you've got you've got the webcams, your team have got mics, you've got an industry yep. expert, you've got someone to assist with the production side of things, then you're pretty much good to go and you can start getting people to to sign up and scale it as you grow. Yep, exactly. And that start investing more in it, get better mics, get better cameras, you know. Um, but, you know, you can start with your computer camera and your little earphones and um, just see how it goes. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, I think we've covered uh, covered this nicely, Nicole, in terms of kind of getting started on, on webinars, how to do them, kit you need, and, and the success they can bring for, for businesses. Is there, is there anything you've missed that we feel is kind of quite important that we've not yet covered? Um, I think those are the key points in terms of getting started and why. Yep. Um, there is the aspect of as it grows and it nurtures um, and you're getting like a lot of people who are coming on, it's a really good facilitator to building a community. So I've used it in other aspects where like I ended up driving them to more of like a private Facebook group or LinkedIn group where we could continue this conversation. They would get more exclusive content there. Right. Um, we would share things, but then we were starting to house like a community of people who are your ICP and you can contact them only and that's it. Um, so there is some ways to leverage, you know, the growth and nurturing that you have in webinars to start facilitating community growth, um, which is a whole nother kind of strategy and discussion probably for another day. Sure. Um, but I've just seen really good success. You know, everybody's always talking about like, how do I build community? I don't really understand how to do it. Webinars is like a key building block. And I've seen really great success in kind of building that strategy with webinars. Got it. So directing people to another channel, be it like mm -hmm. a Facebook group or a Slack group, that's going to, is that Somewhere going to give else. them kind of more of the same? And I guess then you can communicate with them a lot more frequently than you could on the webinar and engage yep. with them and yeah exactly so and, just another avenue for them to have conversations forums continue the conversation yeah. um need to make sure you have someone who's like helping facilitate that and stuff sure. um but it's it's an easy leap um so like once you've already got people enjoying your content coming frequently it's a very easy leap to get them over onto a private community board of some sort makes sense awesome nicole thanks very much really appreciate you coming yeah. on sharing how to build a community through webinars yeah, With that thank said, you. please do tell us more about how everyone tuning in can learn from you, connect with you and anything you'd like to point our audience to. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. Um, just follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I post there pretty frequently. I like to network and, you know, connect with people of all types of marketing. I love talking about marketing all day long. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much where the best place you can find me. Awesome. And we'll put the links there over in the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, Thank you once again, Nicole. Enjoy yeah, the chat. Thank you. Thanks. Me too. No worries. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, why not leave us a quick rating? If you're tuning in on the audio podcast or if you're on YouTube, a quick subscribe goes a long way. And with that said, we'll catch you on the next episode for more actionable marketing tips to grow your business and grow your revenue. Cheers for tuning in.